this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Unapologetically Bold I'm Not Sorry For. And I'm so blessed today to have a new friend with me, Christy. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is going to be a fun conversation because a little bit that I've gotten to know you, I just, what do you call it, moxie? Yes, moxie. (laughs) You got that. Like, you got this, like, this infectious personality that is just needed in this world today. (laughs) Like, it's so needed. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, So, for people that don't know who you are, can you just give, like, a little backstory of who Christy is? Sure. Uh, I am Christy Hemmer, and I, for me, I am a teacher counselor principal for 20 years, and my big question is, why do women and girls shrink in a classroom, a boardroom, and a conversation? And that started me to think about it, and I started Academy for Women's Empowerment, my own business. It's a social business, so it's a for-profit with people first intended. And then as I was doing that work, it got me to start thinking about how do I create a more equitable and safer world for women. And that's how I got the moxie to actually sit down and do my eight-year-old dream of writing a book, uh, the quit being so good. I love it. I love it so much. And I think that is such a a thing that people need to hear. <laughs> like, like this, this thought process that we have to be perfect and, and good and, and, and all these other things um, that come with it. So the show is called Unapologetically Bold. So Christy, what are you not apologizing for anymore? I'm not apologizing for being so good. Mm. So tell me more about that. Uh, you know, it starts, you know, confidence peaks at, for girls around the age of nine for girls in America. And at the age of eight, I wanted to be president, the first woman president. I wanted to be an author and I wanted to own my own school. And, you know, I, I was a Connect Four champion. I was at, you know, the multiplication, you know, factors of champion. And I no one wanted to play with me. And so I learned really quickly, you know, quit being so good. And in fourth grade, when we we all did our all about me books, mine looked just like everybody else's. And so I think continuously hearing that message of quit being so good, not only, you know, I was told I was too smart to be a teacher. I was told I was too young to be a principal. I was told um, I was too good of a principal, like the teachers were intimidated. And so uh, over and over and over again, even like the title of this book came from, I was doing a training and I was told by my supervisor that that the other assistants would like me better if I would just quit being so good. That's so true, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like we all have, well, we, and I'm not going to say we all. That's a very generalistic statement. I've had that experience. Yes. I've talked to a lot of women that have had that experience. Yes, you but- have. <laughs> share one. Share one of your experiences. It might be, I was telling an author, an uh, agent this, and she said, oh, I just had one yesterday. Share an experience. 
So for me, it was, um, I remember being in a room full of my, t- my teammates and basically they started to bash me in front. And it was like this bully session because the, um, director kept like saying, Emily did this, Emily did this, Emily did this, Emily did this, you know? And so we're, they started going like, well, Emily, uh, you screwed this up here, 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 and here. And I'm like, whoa. And it was like trying to just like poke holes into what I'd done. And I asked them, I'm like, I've asked y'all three weeks ago about this. I've asked you three months ago about this. Like y'all are supposed to be helping me out. You're supposed to be on my team. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to bash me because I'm hurting your self confidence. <laughs> what is up with this, y'all? Like, yeah. What no. is up with that? <laughs> and so I'd love to hear some of the stories you've had or you've experienced as well that really led to you to be like, this has got to stop. Oh, I know. And then when I ask women, I mean, the reason I knew I was onto something is when I started sharing the title. I mean, people, women just stopped immediately and we're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. And there's a couple interpretations that women have for the title. I don't care which one you attract to. If it helps you and impacts you, that's important. I think one of my favorite ones, and it's in the book, is I'm working with this friend of mine. She's in the C-suite. And at first, she was a client of mine, and now we're friends as well. And she's she's a talker. She's very uh, confident. She's super, super huge acumen, business acumen. And she said to me, and I was telling her about the title, and she goes, oh, my gosh, yes. I connect. And I said, how? And she goes, I show up a little bit less to the board meeting, to the conference call, to um, an interview, because I never want others to feel bad. And it mm-hmm. actually it's even caused some problems in, in the company that she works for, because there's only a couple other women executives at that level. And the her male supervisor, not supervisors, they're all kind of colleagues, say to her, you know, we're going to share the tension a little bit. And yes, you've had success, but we're also going to put, put on this person's name too, even though that person did not have the numbers she had. And so, and so for me, I knew I was really onto something because when I said, what would be different if you didn't show up a little bit less and silence, mm. I think that's the only question I've ever asked her in like the seven years I've known her that there was silence. That's so powerful, but it's so, it's so true. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I'll say even to be honest right now, I, I'm finding myself doing this in a certain client because I'm like, you had me come in because this is my gift. And now it's too much for you. And, yep. and it's like, okay, so where, but, and I just actually did a recent podcast with June Archer and he's like, I'm not sorry for my dopeness. I'm not sorry for walking out my greatness. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, and it's the same question I want to ask you, like, what if more of us walked out in this? Like, we are good at this. We know this is our strength. Now, it's not to say we don't have weaknesses. And we, I, like me, I'll gladly tell you what I suck at. And, I, and it's quick and it's usually with computers. Um, so, but what are some of the things that you wish for, not just women, but for people in general to start doing? Um, well, one, I would just want to pause a moment and say when I, when you, it's very common for women to start telling me all the things they're not good at. So for you to do that, I was like, oh, yep. So I love always asking women what they're good at and strength finders. So, but for me, I think if we, if women really showed up as they are and more of us rather than less of us, we would have a safer world. 
you know, we just, you know, very timely in the last week, you know, all the events that really focused on and targeted women in our safety, our physical safety, our emotional safety, our financial safety. And it can be any day of the week, any moment of the day, and we would be fine those stories. But to me, if women really did not shrink, if we really showed up as our full self, we would have a more equitable and safer world. And it's so powerful to see that those aspects in it. And it makes me think too, there's this common thing I think is specifically in American culture too, is like this blame and how we blame others for us not being where we want to be. And it's not even a blame game. It's, it's for us to say, what are we not walking out in? Like, are, are we a part, are we missing out because we want to diminish ourselves? So in your book, let's talk more about that for a minute. What are some of the key lessons that people will learn from hearing uh, hearing about it and learning from you? Uh, each of the chapters or stories, what I like about it is each story is separate. You don't have to read it back to back. You can go through the chapters and decide. Uh, for me, uh, what you'll learn is each, each story has a, a three lessons, the same three lessons in every chapter because you know, I am a, a teacher. So number one is take up space. And that means physically, emotionally, uh, socially, you know, that to me is you're taking up your space. Secondly is to be first. So be first to stand in your power or be the first follower, be first to get on the roof and, you know, build like I did in Habitat for Humanity in New Zealand and using a nail gun, being first because people are always watching us and listening to us in this case. So it's, you know, I feel like that's a really important aspect. And then the third is look for the helpers. So a lot of times women, we know how to be helpers. I don't want to write in my book, how to be a helper. We all know how to do that, but to look for the helpers and then ask for those helpers. And so that's the three lessons for every chapter. And every chapter is based on, you know, a different story, but it also is tied to a Gloria Steinem quote. So for example, um, you know, um, Wonder Woman is not real is about depression and don't let girls quit is around the statistic that girls confidence peaks at nine for girl, you know, in, in America and girls start dropping out of their lives at 13 or 14. They stop like, oh, they have a bad basketball coach. They drop out. They don't, you know, and, and girls are encouraged to quit. Like, I think it was, I think the idea is we people try to protect us from failure um and and so we drop out and i as an educator as a counselor this is tragic because those are identity years so if we're learning to quit on ourselves that is I mean is so powerful another one is what's in your emergency bag and that one is about um women white women and black women working together and collaborating and really about listening um woman up man down is about sponsorship and, and the relationships with men um the other one, it's okay, you don't have to get married. It's about choosing who you are and what your lifestyle is, whether you choose to get married or you choose not to, whether you choose to have kids or you choose not to. It's really about those. So this, that's just a kind of a little sprinkling, but each chapter really focuses on, again, things I keep hearing as a teacher, counselor, principal, and as a coach and as a friend and as in my clients. I love that aspect too for you is that you have a background in counseling. And, and so that even brings even more of the aspects and I love that quitting on yourself because ironically, whenever I was 13 years old, um, which I don't know if this is different or not, <laughs> might be slightly, I quit my basketball um, and I was supposed to be the, um, I was supposed to play D1. I'm, I'm tiny, but I was good. I was really good. 
but it was a husband wife coaching team and the husband had an affair on the wife with one of the players in high school and so i'm like and i was supposed to be exactly like the wife and then i'm like no if this is what's going to do if this is what's going to happen i don't want to i don't want to have that problem and so instead of learning and growing and now i'm like having a real reflection time right now um instead of learning and growing and pushing through it i went for a safer option that can guard myself maybe from a sense of safety um i don't know what it was but i said no i i don't want to be that i don't want to be that but how much it could have propelled me in a different direction and that's the things that i've seen too is definitely with the confidence aspect and like my daughter, watching her walk out and her confidence and her greatness, like, I don't ever want that to stop. So what are some things, what advice or what would you invite? So I'm going to specifically target this to women right now, um, for them to continue to walk out in their greatness. That's a good question. I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I it's the difference to me between confidence and self-assurance. So confidence is based on others, what others are saying or telling you, or even what your self-talk is saying or telling you. So you may feel confident today because you looked in the mirror and you said, boy, I look good today, or, oh, I really like this, or I you know, really nailed that you know, interview. Self-assurance to me is you know that you will be okay. It may not be, what happened may not be okay, what you know, uh, around us may not be okay, but you know you'll be okay. You may not feel okay today, but you know you'll be okay. Is that trusting in yourself that you know you'll figure it out? And so to me, that self-assurance is really core to stepping out into your greatness. And that makes me think of intuition, because that's one thing that I talk to people about is that is that, that self-assurance. Like whenever you have this gut reaction to things, are you making it out of like, are you making that decision out of anxiety? Or are you making it out of, I call it confidence, but you're right. It's, it's that self-assurance that you know what your greatness is. You know what you're good at. And you know that you can continue it through. Like, as um, somebody said, like, you you pass the test. You have the testimony. Like, you didn't mean that you may were an A student, but you still passed the test. And you continued it on. So when was a time, and I know that you've actually um, taught around the world. <laughs> as um, so I would love to learn from you, what are some of the trends that you might have seen or experienced around being so good in, in the American culture versus other cultures? Um, is this, is this a human issue or is this just, do you think it's some parts of the world, it's a little bit more rampant? I think it's a gender issue. Mm-hmm. Because I've been to 65 countries, it doesn't matter where I am, if I'm working with my entrepreneur friends who live on $1 or $2 a day in El Salvador, or my million billionaire friends in Tokyo. To me, it's universal. I think it's a gender thing. So tell me more about that. What what are the clues or in, um, thoughts and insights that you've viewed that make you go towards the gender aspect of it? Well, you know, I, I've lived in Japan and Indonesia in international schools, and those two definitely are in the news all the time for mm-hmm. the, I mean, how they keep gender out of the room, you know, and mm-hmm. I mean, every day you can look at an article, but I would say the same for the United States. When I, what I felt like when I lived in Japan was it was more, more covert, you know, overt, like you could really see it. Like I'd be in line and the man would get served every time before me. Whereas in the U S we kind of hide it. I think 
with some of the things in the past years with politics, it's become a little more public, um, you know, uh, what the what is happening to us. But uh, I definitely think the gender piece and how you know how obvious or not obvious it is, it's it's, it's an underlying issue. Mm. So it makes me think, I know in your book, you did one about sponsorship. So what can we invite people to to help the next generation? Because my, my prayer is always that this not just packed now, but seven generations to come. Like for the next generation and the next after that and the next after that, how can we grow to stop apologizing for being so good? Like, like I'm good and I'm going to walk out in it <laughs> because I know my gifts, I know my talents mm-hmm. and I'm, well, I'm unapologetically bold. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the difference between mentorship and sponsorship is, you know, that you you create that opportunity. And I think, you know, creating that opportunity, taking that risk to bring someone along in your success is huge, whether you're a female or male. I, and I think mostly it's that creating that pause of what is that opportunity? But also when you hear people, like I always say, one of my group agreements when I do any of my workshops is no put downs. Now, when I work with men, I really have to monitor the the verbal put downs. I really do. I have to kind of, you know, self-correct and kind of, you know, with women, I don't have that, but I have the self put downs. This might not be a good idea, but I don't know if this is right, or this might sound stupid or just this or sorry, but, and that minimizing language is, is, um, you know, is a put down, but also, you know, your reticular activating systems back there. So now people are starting to listen for the bad idea. You don't know what you're talking about. So for me, I think it's that sponsorship, not only creating opportunities and taking risks, but also um, stopping those behaviors, being aware of Mm -hmm. those and stopping them. And I guess also for what I hear from men is when you not have those echoing chambers, you know, when you women are in the room and they're not talking, it's not because we don't have anything to say. It's because there's not space in the room to say it. And so to mm-hmm. me, it's more for those leaders who are doing that is to ha- see who's in the room, make sure the room is diverse, and then also make sure the voices are diverse. You know, that they're not just sitting there silently. You don't have a bum in this chair that looks different or sounds different, but doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so true, too, with the diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to open that up. Um, not not only just like with having those deeper conversations one of my favorite things i love is is like those challenge networks adam grant Mm -hmm. does a lot of work on that too Mm -hmm. but like having those people that will will challenge you that will will say like hey Mm -hmm. (laughs) how can we see this differently what evidence is here that i might can convince you otherwise like you've also um in the um, education space murder boards like i remember like whenever they talked about like getting ready for a thesis and like, you got to take it to the murder board. I'm like, Oh, or like, um, even editing, like being an editor for a journal, you know, mm-hmm. here, hearing all these things and, and you put something out, you've worked so hard at it, but then you got to have mm-hmm. five or six people edit it and look at it and, re- and review. And it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, oh is this going to be good? This is going to be bad. So I guess for me, I like a two, two part final question. So people are apologizing for being so good. Women mostly, yes. Women, yes, women mostly. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I've, I've been open on this podcast. If y'all listen to this podcast, you know I'm open about it. Because my thing that um, somebody said to me, it's belittling your blessings. Whenever you belittle your blessings, you block your blessings. Because you, like you said, you're opening up people's minds to find the negative for you. Mm-hmm. And, like, and see it, how it's not going to be right or good. 
Um, so what would you say to people that are, are being confident and being self-assurance uh, being in that they are no longer apologizing because dang it, they're good and they're proud of it. <laughs> well, I, mean, I guess, you know, I actually, it's a, it really interesting. It's really fun for me because I go back to the book and those three things, I would say, take up your space, you know, whatever that space is, whether it's auditory, you know, audio space on a podcast or whether it's physical space in a room or emotional space. If you're crying, you know, one of the things that women do is we have emotions and we express them. And oftentimes people try to, you know, shut those down. Secondly is, you know, be first, you know, having that moxie, that guts, that pluck to go first, even when you do feel the fear, even when you might fail, even when, you know, um, being first is actually being the first follower and not being first. And then thirdly, you look for the helpers. It's really interesting because that one probably resonates so much with my friends. I'll hear them say, I was scared. I, would, I have a friend who's joining a business. She's like, I don't know what to do. And then she's like, I thought, who are my helpers? And her helpers are everybody around her. She didn't, after she did that, she was like, I don't need anything else. I have them. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so powerful. And that actually was something I had a conversation with my, my group of helpers yesterday. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that. Um, and she, cause I was like, I'm feeling this vulnerability because I have a big deal, uh, that may close this, this weekend. And I'm like, and I feel so vulnerable, like even telling them about it, like asking for their prayers, asking for their thoughts on it. Um, and she said this to me and it stuck, Sandy Anderson said this to me and it stuck with me so hard. She goes, your people are going to be the ones that are going to be excited for you. She goes, but if something goes wrong, they're going to be here to help you and not just do it. Not just to say good job. I like, Hey, at least you, you did it. You know, it's like, how can we do it better next time? Because the one thing I, I was doing, I was she's like, you know, it's just an amazing opportunity that you're getting to talk to, to, to this group of people and the time of business that you've been in, like, it's a big, it's a big deal. And I'm like, okay, okay. You're like, no, you know, it's kind of like my hype girl, you know, like, mm -hmm. but I think that's important. It's so important to have those people. And I'm so blessed for you, Christy, like. Your message is so needed. So anybody listening to this, your book is releasing soon. Well, the book came out on March 8th, but right now it's available on christyhammer.com. It is um, part of the Kickstarter. So the Kickstarter ends um, April 1st. So the Kickstarter is how I'm generating a community and generating the um, I'm going to go on a Moxiemobile and I'm touring the Midwest and spreading the words of creating a safer and more equitable world for women working in sororities, working in um, corporations with girl influencers, educators, men as change agents, as well as working with um, small business owners like women entrepreneurs as well. So all those different areas in different places. So hopefully I'll get to see you, Emily. Um, I think I am going to be in Chattanooga and maybe Atlanta so I can maybe swing by and see you too. Yes, I'm all for it. And it can benefit so many people because these are things that many, I'm going to tell you, I am going to generalize many women, many, many women that I speak with. You are correct on this. And the research backs it too. That It does. I mean, all the anecdotals, everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. we struggle with this. We struggle. We are our worst critics and we have this mental, this mental chatter that just keeps going. So thank you so much, Christy. So um, final last question. They want to get a hold of you. I know you're going to be in your Moxie mobile, but uh, can they reach out <laughs> if they're not in, in the area? How can we figure out your schedule too? If, if you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, and I have, I have it on the Kickstarter. I have the, the map, but uh, christyhemmer.com. So K-R-I-S-T-I-H-E-M-M-E-R.com is where you can really reach me. And, and the email is there as well. So 
Um, that probably the best way at Moxion is uh, my Instagram handle. And then of course, uh, Christy Hammer on Facebook and all international for Facebook as well. Awesome. And of course you can always find me on LinkedIn. Yes. That'd probably be the easiest. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank you for thank all you. listening in. I hope you all have an amazing and blessed day. You deserve it. Just go be amazing and go be awesome because you are good enough. Embrace your moxie. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.